Hello and welcome to the Animation Communication Podcast. For your source of discussion about animation, film, fandom, and more. So please join our host, I Love Kim Possible A Lot or KP, and Lyle Convoy or Lyle Manbad. Hi everyone, welcome to today's episode of Animation Communication with just me, KP, because Lyo is very busy and we don't want to bother him. So, uh, for those who are new to the podcast, welcome. Um, we're trying to get it back on a somewhat regular format of this recording, um, but we have plenty of backlog. If you're new, I think this is episode 87-ish. I'm probably wrong around that range. Um, and then if you're not familiar with me, hi, I'm, I love Kim Possible a lot. I do uh, cartoon analysis on the internet, as well as we make our own shorts and cartoons as well. So lots of different things, but um, yeah. So with me today, I have um, my new friend, Ryan, who does things on the internet. So Ryan, what do you do on the internet? Hello, uh, my name is Pederip. I am a I guess more of a former, but still occasionally current uh, brony artist and animator. For those who are familiar with brony content, I think I'm most likely be known for Rainbow Dash Presents, a series of uh, fun, like, uh, they're like parodies of brony fan fiction. They're really popular about, I don't know, six or seven years ago, Uh, (laughs) but... uh, People still still message me about it, still talk about it. So I guess I guess I carved out a little a niche for myself. Yeah, and then if you're not familiar with me, um, I got my own start in the My Little Pony subsection fandom called the Bronies, and the Bronies were basically um, content creators who made content around or based around the um, pony stuff. But now, in the year of our Lord, uh, 2023. <laughs> Um, especially with the show not being on anymore. The show ended in 2019. It went on for nine seasons and 10 years. Um, So a long time. So I kind of um, not moved on, but like I branched off to just cartoon analysis in general. And um, a lot of the pony people um, that made pony content in the day are either just vibing or making original content or kind of in that middle zone. So, you know, there's still, there's still some... Pony, My Little Pony exclusive conventions that are still going on in the year of our Lord 2023, but it's definitely, it reached its peak at around 2015 or 16, and then it kind of um, died down a little bit. Um, The last BronyCon was 2019, and that was kind of like, yeah, that was about it. So um, they're still out there, but it's definitely definitely not as um, loud on the internet as it was back in the before times. So um, 2019 was like the last year before everything changed. So (laughs) before the fire nation. Yeah, exactly. So, so how did you get into uh, My Little Pony um, in general? Why don't we start there? Oh God, it was so long ago. Uh, I guess like I was, I was following the show, like in its very first season, I was becoming aware of it just from the memes from that you that would circulate all over like Twitter or 4chan or Reddit about and this know, is um in 2011 right it must have been yeah I guess I was that's yeah I guess 2010 2011 ish I guess it must have I been think. like right before I graduated high school so yeah 2011 yeah I'm in the same same boat yeah I was um I know Bronies React was still going on while I was in or starting when I was in high school um so there was definitely a start of something people like people were actively making content for a singular show yeah. to the point where people, other people were like, huh, why are, 
why are these people focusing on just this one show is kind of the, the vibe. So yeah. continue. Yeah, I, I think I think the fandom had like a different um like a different vibe in the very early stages because it, it was it still felt very ironic, but still like mm-hmm. but still like actually appreciating the wholesomeness of it. Like they it seemed like people were trying to like figure out whether like, do I actually love this or do I just like it for the meme? And mm-hmm. and as the fandom went along, it definitely became less and less ironic and more and more just like wholeheartedly like yeah we love this we genuinely love this we want the show mm-hmm. to to uh to notice us and uh and and put like references in the show and it definitely evolved like i i remember watching along with the second season and really loving it i think that second season struck a really good balance uh the third season had some great episodes i think it started to get like i stopped it started to get a little referency, like like it was aware of the fandom so much that it was like intentionally trying to appeal to bronies around yeah. season three, and that's when like the vibe of the show kind of changed. But the fandom had already become what it is, or what it became, what it is, what it is now is barely existing. But at the time, it was uh, the the less ironic fandom, I guess. Right, right, and like I remember, like I didn't start making content actively in two. Till 2013 um for those who don't know the um or is new welcome um the the character discord got me into the show as a active fan but i was just kind of an animation person hence the username so uh that was the kim possible fandom was my first like fandom i was somewhat active in by like message boards great show great show yeah 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 go watch it it's on disney plus you know (laughs) but uh watch it officially because you know disney sees those stats and they notice and then they'll hire me to to do the reboot please or not a reboot a revival something anyway that's my master (laughs) plan yeah you Um, need to get a cameo if they revive the show i need i need need, like uh, it's at the point where some of the, the show staff follow me and i made this isn't a brag. This is just kind of a matter of fact. But um, like, I think two months ago, two people emailed me individually about their Kim Possible fan projects that they were trying to pitch to Disney. And I was like, guys, they have the original sto- show staff around. Um, the original show creators, um, Bob Schooley and Mark McCauley, are just retired of just vibing. So I'm more than sure, like, their background, uh, they wrote Aladdin 3, and they wrote um, for the Hercules TV show for Disney, and then they were pit- asked to pitch for a regular show, uh, which was what Kim Possible was. So they're still around, so it just, I don't think people really understand that, you know, if Disney wants to do something with Kim Possible, they can just ask the original show creators versus a third party to <laughs> um, to do stuff. Yeah. So that's what happened with the 2019 Kim Possible movie. Like, Bob and Mark and a third person wrote that script. And, um, you know, it was poorly received, I think, mostly because people are just so tied to Kim Possible being A, an animation, and B, like, tied to the original voice cast. So having a new voice cast and having... Or having a new cast, having it be kind of a Disney Channel-like funky vibe, I think, kind of didn't really um sit well with people one way or the other like you know applaud for the effort but i'm kind of in the same boat like i just didn't like it either it was just trying too hard to capture something that yeah you know wasn't capturable you gotta let let um, the original creators like come up with something like it's their right their creation let them if if they are so inspired to continue the story uh, yeah, but I, I feel like you know it it ended pretty satisfyingly. Like it, yeah, yeah, it wasn't one I of think... those ser- series where like the very last episode they're like, oh, they're in a relationship and that's the end. We actually got to see like a whole season of it, which was like weird but 
really right. unique do, at the do time. You want, do you want background for that? <laughs> oh, sure. Um, so the background for that is, um, so so the drama for the Kim Possible movie was supposed to be the series finale. It was always planned to be the series finale, and um, it was like even written in season one as a kind of like, um, from my understanding, from my my reading and my research, uh, Bob and Marcus like came up with the idea to say like, hey, if the show doesn't sell, at least we wrote the finale for us. And then Kim Possible became very popular, and then they got to do it. And so the drama was originally going to be a live action movie. Hmm. Then it, it it they changed their minds. It went to animation, which I think is for the better with I the original voice cast. I agree. And um, that movie that it was going to be, but wasn't, was called Sky High. So now you know <laughs> that fun fact. Oh, oh my God. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So that's, I'm sure they, they already cast those people and they had to kind of come up with a new script because like you can see like the main character and you know, like those are, they have very Kim Possible typecasting vibes. So I i don't know that for the, a fact, but just kind of so, knowing the vibe, that would be my guess. Yep. So does it correlate like the main characters of Sky High would have been Ron and Kim? I believe so. Like, that's what I mean. Like, I'm not sure for a fact, but I don't know what stage in the casting process they were when that decision was made. But my guess would be yes. Oh. I need to so. now. Now I have to rewatch Sky High with that in mind and try and like. Yeah, I haven't seen Sky High in a hot minute. I, I, it just got a little bit messy with the script, in my opinion, just because it was a feature. Um, and you know, like. Well, the movie. I think the movie's not a masterpiece. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think basically they got more runtime and they needed something to do with the runtime. I'm not dismissing anyone's creative efforts. You know, it like the subplots got a little messy just because of the developing circumstances, I'm sure, with it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it still exists and it's fun. So so the drama was the finale. And I think I say it in my So the Drama video, but like, I think the biggest thing was the whole like, there was a trailer where there was like Kim and Ron, spoiler alert for, for Kim Poss, this movie that came out 15 years ago. <laughs> Kim and Ron kiss and they cut the trailer right before they were about to kiss and I think it inspired all the all the shippers to tune in and the movie was a massive success the only movie that did better with ratings as far as Disney Channel original movies was the original high school musical at the time so I don't know who made this decision I assume our good friend Bob Iger because he was CEO at the time but I'm not 100% sure but essentially he was like or Disney in general was like oh we should do another season of this so there's always been some debate whether it, it was that or there was a German contract that required Disney to make another season. I think it was the former, but it was Kim Possible is very popular in Germany for some reason. I don't know. Hmm. It, no one ever. It just, it just is. There's not really any reason why from my understanding. So then they made the new season. And to your original point, Ryan, you know, all this lore now, um, I think that was a good exercise and just like taking two characters and having them be in a relationship but not have that influence status like the other thing i think about that comes to mind as far as the main characters being in a relationship during the run of the whole show is the aladdin series but even then the movie was already out and that established the relationship like they didn't have a movie leading up to aladdin and jasmine being in a relationship so i think that kind of played with the plot but uh, I guess back to my earlier point. So um, I got the two scripts and I'm just like, hey, with all due respect, I don't work for Disney. You know, I don't really know what to do with this. My advice is to just make it a fan fiction if you still want it to be Kim Possible. But if not, then, you know, they have the original creators on staff. Like, they're going to go to them if they have 
if they want to renew it. My understanding is there is some rumbles about that, but I'm not 100% sure. I think they were they they decided it wasn't a good time right now. Hey. And then I tweeted that and I was like, "Hey guys, just so you know, I don't have any power to do anything with your Kim Possible scripts. I'm just a fan. I'm very <laughs> I'm a very loud fan at the end of the day. I'm probably the loudest, but I'm still just a fan." And then um Mark McCauley follows me on on Twitter, and he liked that, and I'm just like, oh god, I'm it's confirmed. I do, I <laughs> so do totally was... get that dynamic of like the fans. They really project a lot of uh, authority and power onto you just because you have a lot of followers. I'm like, that's not how this, that's not how this works. Yeah, I mean, I'd like I'd like to do my Kim Possible show, um, revival show with some other elements, um, but again, I also still don't work for Disney, and I also like I have. Some people that I'm friendly with who were previous staff writers on the show. Shout out to Nicole Dublin, who wrote some Kim Possible episodes that were friends and we email every once in a while. She's a, she's a good bean. And but at the end of the day, like I don't I'm just like I'm just a person who makes content on the Internet. Like if you I always advise people like if they really are tied to making a fan fiction then make it a fan project. And I do panels about this where it's just like, you know, just make it. Don't worry about making money. It's not your IP anyway. Yeah. It's not your, you know, these aren't your characters anyway, so you can't really get far with it. But, you know, if you really want this to be a fan fiction and you don't want to do Harry Potter and Fifty Shades of Grey when you make it your own thing, <laughs> then if it's about artistic expression, go for it. You know, it doesn't hurt. I don't, Disney won't sue you for making a fan fiction. No. It'd, it'd make them, it look make them look very, very bad. The only people, to my knowledge, that sue for that kind of thing are CBS and Star Trek, but they've kind of started to learn to like lay off people, from my understanding. So yeah, consider that. Uh, considering that a lot of fans like wrote some of the episodes of TNG, like you know, they should encourage that among fans. It's good for the show. Yeah, I mean, and back to My Little Pony. Like the reason My Little you're, Pony is so going, popular. You're a master at coming back from segues. I gotta say. I mean, I, I've been doing this a, a while. Like, I, I do this professionally. I do panels professionally. Yeah. Um, so, you know, not that I'm bragging. I'm just, like, I'm just kind of used to this. But anyway, um, yeah, so back to My Little Pony, because I did the pony conventions as a as a guest. I don't know if you were ever a guest, Ryan. But, like, um, essentially, they told me, staff members have told me, like, the best thing that, that Hasbro could have done is let the fandom exist because technically you're not allowed to make money off other people's IP. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, like it's better to not punish fan artists for being passionate about the thing that you're making money off of. Exactly. And then it encouraged people to watch the original show and get invested in that and buy, and buy like licensed merch. And it was, it, that's like, if, I if think they the have any, fandom, yeah, yeah, if they have like any brain, they're going to know how to monetize it, like monetize yeah. the fan, like, fervor around it if like basically if fans are selling merch or something it means that there's a whole there's a demand and there's a hole in the uh supply obviously where they're not supplying the merch that they want to buy so right 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 so um and i think you know it just kind of did the best it could until it just stopped making money enough money to justify continuing the show Mm -hmm. and then 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 we got um Generation Five, which has been hit or miss, but it's not the it it doesn't do the numbers that Generation Four did. So I think what's probably going to happen is there'll be nostalgia, and like once there's nostalgia for G Four, then they'll do some kind of revival, revival or yeah. something. But it's just too soon for G Four to have ended to to do that from a monetary viewpoint, I guess, if that makes sense. So anyway, yeah. that's our analysis of My Little Pony the franchise. Thanks for coming, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> So, like, uh, I guess back on track. Um, so, Ryan, when did you start, like, actively making content for uh, My Little Pony fandom stuff? Um, 
I think the first thing I did was actually I did some fan art. Uh, so, so the my partner in all of this, uh, all of this, these projects, the Rainbow Dash Presents projects, has been Greg, uh, who originally went by Thin Plant Philosophy and now uses uh, now goes by the moniker Don Somewhere. And at the time, he had a My Little Pony like abridged series uh, called the Mental Advanced series, and I I, I liked it because it was very. Uh, unpolished and crass and just reminded me of like the old uh dragon ball z abridged stuff and uh, i submitted some fan art of like a scenario that was described in one of the episodes i think it was uh twilight's character had like a a stuffed bee doll named mrs buzzy i think or something like that uh oh uh sparny pants is that what you're talking about uh in the show she had uh sparmy pants but this is actually i think before Sparmy Pants was introduced. Greg just created a different stuffed animal that was a bee. <laughs> that's man, this is some or- early lore stuff. Yeah, I know. I didn't, yeah, that's what's so, that's what's so weird about like the fandom of the first season is because there's so little stuff in the show. A lot of it was like a lot of the fandom stuff was just made up or like just mm-hmm. applied to it. And then like it's kind of weird where like we would create ideas and then or we would create things in our fandom stories that just ended up being like something similar to that ended up being in the show and it's not like you know they're not copying the fans it's just like you know if you when you have a basis for something and you're a writer you're going to come up with some similar ideas especially when you have like an entire fandom doing the same thing so it's it's um what is the analogy it's the um if you shoot a shotgun at a at a shed, you're going to end up hitting a target or something like it. It's just a big right, spray. Well, yeah. At the end of the day, it's just similar tropes. Yeah. Like Twilight's an, like a nerd who's kind of antisocial. It would make sense for her to have a stuffed animal because of her antisocial tendencies, at least before making friends. Yes, absolutely. So. It's just, you know, just a, it's just a simple idea. But anyway, um, I, I submitted fan art of her in the doll and uh, Greg liked it a lot and ended up using it in one of the uh, episodes of the advanced series. I'm like, oh my God, that's so cool. Because uh, at this time, I was just getting into digital art. I've been into art like forever since I was a little kid. Uh, I, like, I was big into like, um, like painting and hand-drawn art in high school, uh, but I was just starting to figure out digital art. Uh, I was doing all of it on an iPad back then. He he liked that so much. He used it, and he's like, "Hey!" Uh, later, he came to me, and he's like, "Hey, I have this idea for um, uh, like a series like that's um, parodying fan fiction." And uh, he's like, "Would you would you be interested in illustrating it?" So at the time, it was supposed to just be sort of like a picture book, like a like Rainbow Dash is reading this fanfic. I think the first one was Bubbles, mm-hmm. um, which is about Derpy uh, and her like traumatic childhood or something like that she's abused all of these fan fictions they're they're such they're so tragic there's <laughs> there's always oh, tragedy can you give like a a rundown of who derpy is for people who don't know what that term means sure like super quick yeah so i guess in hindsight derpy is um a bit of an offensive way to refer to someone with uh fucked up eyes but at the time that was sort of like everyone on the internet you know if you have eyes that are cross-eyed you're you know you go derp or whatever you're derpy and there was an animation error in the first season where this one uh, background character had eyes that were pointed in like different directions. It was it was just an animation glitch. But of course, because it was that first season and fans are like latching onto literally anything to create content and lore, they latched onto this character and named her Derpy. And um, 
it became the fandom's favorite character because it was their character. The like everything about this character was created by the fandom because she had no personality. She's just a background character mm-hmm. walking by. So th- this character, the in the Bubbles fan fiction, um, had uh, was like her tragic backstory about how she was abused, and that's why her eyes are messed up. But uh, our Rainbow Dash presents. Uh, is sort of presenting it as like, and this is where it's like several layers of meta that gets like, it's almost not even worth explaining, but the mentally advanced parody version of Rainbow Dash has a different personality than the, than the Rainbow Dash in the show. And this particular version of Rainbow Dash is a bit more uh, innocent and kind of misses subtlety of a lot of things. So the joke was Rainbow Dash is reading the fan fiction and not picking up on the subtext. She's just she's mm-hmm. just picking up on a very surface level and projecting her own thoughts and feelings onto it, and that is what Rainbow Dash presents is it's it's the character the 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 meta version of Rainbow Dash from the Mentally Advanced series reading real fan fiction from the show and completely misinterpreting it and presenting it to us in, the way she sees it. So it's like a it's a parody. No, it's <laughs> it's a. It's like an altered inter- interpretation of a of a character, of a canon character. Yes, kind of thing. reading real yeah. life fan fiction that is itself a meta parody of the show itself. So it's 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 so many layers of meta that it doesn't even strike people as meta sometimes. I think. <laughs> so the that first episode of um, Rainbow Dash presents Bubbles was really like it got really popular in the channel, uh, and I enjoyed doing it because it was my first kind of foray into making youtube content like this that people actually watched i guess so we kept doing some episodes i think our next episode was cupcakes which is one of the most infamous brony fan fictions and for those of you who oh, i haven't thought about cupcakes in like ten thousand yeah, years yeah and that's and like... that's a good thing that's a good thing but for those who don't know what that is it's basically a gore fan fiction of uh pinkie pie killing all of the the ponies in ponyville and turning them into her baked goods Again, this is the type of content that the Brony fandom kind of started off as, where it's just like, it's so ironic. The entire point and appeal of Cupcakes is that it's, oh, what if we take this wholesome thing and made it super grim, dark, and evil or whatever? And, that, and yeah. people are like, wow, that's brilliant. And uh, that's the way the internet worked about 10 years ago. <laughs> right and i think to to your other point your earlier point like i think people were just so like like flabbergasted that people were paying attention to stuff they were making regardless of a, if it was fan art or stuff like that was definitely my um interaction with the internet because i was like i made art on DeviantArt in high school but like nothing really like caught on like actually be, being a content producer so i think you gotta get that high of like people are actually paying attention now what and so um you have to, at the end of the day, need to be healthy about because, like, you shouldn't base your whole, like, sense of worth and your validation on whether you're making content online. Just as a heads up, do it for healthy reasons. <laughs> but, yeah, especially in the early days, that's what a lot of people kind of, like, they were like, oh, oh wow, people, I make it art and people give it, whoa, we gotta make more, we gotta make all of the art. So it wasn't really about the money, it was just kind of about, you know, making art for the sake of it and or getting attention if that was your unhealthy mindset. So <laughs> yes. continue, though. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So yeah, we we did our episode on cupcakes, which was you know grim dark, and again it's Rainbow Dash misinterpreting things. But this one, the we we introduced the idea of uh, having the mentally advanced version of Pinkie Pie from the 
Mentally Advanced, a bridge series, also reading along with Dashy. So it's like a they're both kind of bouncing off of each, b- bouncing these, uh, their interpretations of it off of each other. And the mm. Mentally Advanced version of Pinkie Pie is understands the grim dark, like that this is a gore fic and is trying to embrace it and trying to steer the story back in that direction. But Rainbow Dash is steering it away from there. And she's like, oh, this is like a, this is like a weird, um, or like Rainbow Dash was interpreting it as a, uh, a romance while, <laughs> while Pinkie Pie was, uh, was trying to steer it back into violence. And it's this really funny dynamic of these two characters, like trying to guide the story in different directions. And that was like the first, that was our, our second episode. And that one was way more popular. So we definitely started moving more in that direction of having like multiple different voices and not just Dashie's voice. Because uh, mm. the, the, the original couple episodes were just Dashy narrating it, and there weren't any other like voice voices in it. And I, I don't know if I mentioned this, but uh, Greg also does the voice acting in the series, too. He's the writer. and Yeah, uh, that didn't come up. I was curious to see like who did what yeah. at that point. And yeah. it was all Greg. Greg did all of the character voices, pretty much, except, aside from like a couple. Uh, he is like an incredibly good voice actor and a very good character writer. Like He's able to to embody these different characters with really different personalities and just like riff off of himself in a way that's so sounds so natural that it almost seems like these are real characters having banter with each other. Like, I don't know how one guy is able to so well just banter with himself, but yeah, I just got to sing Greg's praises a little bit because he, he is the reason why I, I, well, he would probably say I'm a big, we, we like to appreciate each you other. You both love each other. I get it. Let's... <laughs> uh, I, I don't think uh, Rainbow Dash Presents would not be great without Greg. Mm-hmm. He is the unique voice, literally the voice and the authorial voice of the series that just really embodies it with cleverness. Yeah. So gotta, I got to sing his praises. But um, the first, the I think our big, like our biggest episode was... Um, Rainbow Dash presents Rainbow Factory, which was another another gore fic. Uh, basically, where like, oh, what if Rainbow Dash was killing ponies and grinding them? Well, up I think into you rainbows? have to back up a little bit. Like, can you define like what the Rainbow Factory is in My Little Pony lore, <laughs> sure. and then go from there? Yeah. So in the first season, I think it was established that Rainbow Dash worked at the Rainbow Factory, which is a like a weather. Uh, there's like a weather factory up in the clouds where all the Pegasus's Pegasi, Pegasus yeah. uh, work, and uh, they make clouds, they make lightning, they make uh, yeah, rain. they make their own all their own weather because um, they control the, like they like the ponies control their seasons like that's what all the whole episode of winter wrap up yeah, is yeah. it's like they have to physically wrap up the snow and put it you know put it away like they have to control the world. Like not like us, where we have science, I guess. <laughs> they also have science, but they also have magic. So you know, yeah. they can do a lot with that. I, I would say the uh, magic lore of uh, My Little Pony is built out pretty well. I mean, compared to mm-hmm. like uh, Harry Potter, but <laughs> yeah, Harry Potter's messy, and then Harry himself isn't really that interesting of a character. No. But anyway, yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah. In that in that episode, was that the winter wrap up episode? It was. I don't know. It was some. No, it was episode. the. Um, it was the. 
they the one where they introduced the Rainbow Factory was um the first the Sonic Rainboom, I think. So mm. she did her Sonic Rainbow the first time and saved the Wonderbolts and I just saw it recently, so that's how I remember all mm. this stuff. But the, yeah, they she she gives the other um characters a tour of the Rainbow Factory, um, because that's their first time in Cloudsdale, which is where Rainbow Dash is from. Mm-hmm originally but now she's kind of in ponyville yeah. um even though that's where she's from yep. so. so so aurora dawn uh who was the writer of the original rainbow factory back when he was a young young little guy he was just like oh wouldn't it be uh wouldn't it be cool, epic if uh if rainbow dash actually was murdering people and turning them into rainbows what if that's where the rainbows come from that was that's that's the uh the plot of of rainbow factory um, so in our parody of it, again, Dashy or Rainbow Dash does not get that at all. Uh, she's it's just sort of a a story of them touring the Rainbow Factory, and it's like Willy Wonka or something. And it's it's whole it's mostly wholesome, but mostly confusing <laughs> because she's just completely misinterpreting aspects of the the story. Oddly enough, um, people liked Rainbow Dash presents. Um, separate from the fan fictions themselves, if, if it, it seemed almost like uh, the Rainbow Dash presents episodes were so funny on their own and so mm-hmm. so interesting on their own that you didn't need to read the fan fiction in order to like appreciate what Rainbow Dash presents was, and I think that was like a big appeal to it because like a lot of people don't want to read a gore fic about rainbow dash killing all ponies that's not something they want to read but they'll watch the rainbow dash presents rainbow factory because that's completely mm-hmm. different <laughs> yeah that's kind of like when it's it's subtext based on subtext based on subtext right. so that's why i'm just like define what the rainbow factory is like because <laughs> yeah. i that was before my time so i knew rainbow like i knew the song there's a there's a song about the rainbow factory mm-hmm. by wooden toaster who was a pony person back in that at that time um, so that was my context of the Rainbow Factory. It's a good song, and there's fun remixes, but I didn't really understand the con. I, mm-hmm. I I honestly didn't understand the context of Rainbow Dash murdering ponies until this conversation. Yeah. So you know, my there interest was always about um, Discord the character. So yeah. that wasn't really in the realm of Discord the character, yes. as far as me actively going out of my way to, to look up stuff. Yes. So. And and I think uh, I was working on the very first Rainbow Dash presents when the first episode of season two came out with with Discord mm-hmm. in it. And that's when I'm like, oh, this show, I do actually like, I do actually like the show. Like before that, mm-hmm. uh, the fandom was trying to like find itself. So like that, that gap between season one and season two, I think was where like a lot of the early brony stuff came into being because people were like creating new content to like justify like, why do I still care about this? Even though the show's not actively right. airing new episodes, like, why do I care about this? And like, well, uh, here's new content. I'm, I'm creating new characters. I'm, I'm adding to the world. Uh, and that's when like the fandom really started to like move, like develop, and like once the show ended or the first season ended, that that's where a lot of this, uh, these iconic fan fictions. Because I would say like Rainbow Factory and and Cupcakes were like one of the probably the most famous Brony fan fictions. Uh, actually, well, there's also My Little Dashy, which I will get to. But yeah, those those three are probably the biggest ones. Uh, yeah, and, and I think too. Um, not to interrupt, but I think too, as since you did mention Discord, like I think casting because um for those who want further information on this, you can see the um the Brony documentary on Netflix. I don't know if Ashley. There's two. There's one that um Lauren Faust and Tara Strong and John Lancey, the voice of Discord, made, which I believe is on Netflix. 
And there's another one that Ashley Ball made, The Voice of Rainbow Dash, that has kind of similar beats. Um, I don't know where that's streaming off the top of my head. But anyway, um, I'm a fan of Discord. So Delancey, uh, when, he, when he goes to conventions, talks about that that was kind of the coolifier moment because people were kind of afraid to like it. And then they used Discord. Oh, it's like Star Trek. They have the Star Trek guy in the pony show. And then the, like, the old boomers were like, oh, okay, son, you do you. So that, you know, helped as well as far as people transitioning. Because, like, there were a lot of guys who felt insecure and about liking a, a, the pony show, even though it's just fancy at the end of the day. So they needed reasons to justify them liking the show that didn't have any basis on their sexual orientation, which is so horrible in hindsight. Yeah. But, like, that's kind of the, the vibe it was back in the day. I, I It is interesting, though, in hindsight, to to talk about or to to think about the brony phenomenon from the context of like of feminism and masculinity because I did I do um I've heard from a lot of uh trans women that their brony like the brony fandom was the first time they ever felt like it was okay for them to embrace something feminine and to right, kind of right. explore that aspect of themselves and it led them down the path of fully embracing that and uh, I think that's yeah. I think that's really cool that that uh... yeah I've talked uh, not to interrupt but I've also um, just to go on that point I've talked to a lot of uh, not a lot but there's a lot of trans girls that like my content God you know God bless you you guys are valid I appreciate it and uh, you know I get a lot of like uh, fan um, trans girls in the server and I you know I try to make sure everyone's safe and stuff but mm -hmm. regardless um, to that point there's a lot of people that back in the day you would make pony OCs of based on yourself that's how I have a very like my pony OC is very you know active because it was also it was also me but it was just a pony version of me essentially and my personality in the videos would just be but slightly over exaggerated for the sake of com comedy and beats and stuff mm -hmm. like that so it was pretty much me and you know a lot of people so the cool thing was to make a pony OC to put on your your badge for going conventions and you know whatever like as a stand-in for if you're a writer to have that or a content creator you'd have that or even an artist you you know maybe you'd put your pony OC in the background of like an art piece to you know anyway um to kind of put yourself into it a little bit more visibly but there are a lot there would be a lot of um trans girls who weren't out yet that would have a female pony OC mm -hmm. because they just liked the idea of having a female pony OC and it was this was years ago but I talked to someone and they were telling me about that and how their friends were like yeah we kind of knew because you had a female pony OC <laughs> and they're just like oh I didn't know it was that obvious and just like it's cool but you know you, like it was right there you know yeah. so a lot of um there's been multiple stories about people who have female pony OCs that identified um as male at that time and then that kind of helped with their understanding of who they were yeah. and it, it really uh, it really let them like, like explore good. that element of themselves and I think yeah, that's yeah. that's really cool that's like it's really healthy to to give men permission to explore some of the more feminine aspects of themselves uh mm -hmm. like not not because like you know all men are secretly trans women but just like you know like there's there's more to masculinity than just like yeah, what culture I mean, defines and, as. And then stereotypically, men are 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 taught to kind of hold their emotional emotions in, yeah. but, and from emotional intelligence and from just a mental health standpoint, that's so toxic. So I think just by it being able to make healthy friends that there's also a lot of autism elements in the pony fandom. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that um, dismissively, but it's just kind of like, like neurodivergent people will be drawn to like cartoon characters because it's easy to understand a whole character's vibe because the cartoon or characters are designed 
based on their personalities and not just an actor. Mm -hmm. So, example, take, like, Fluttershy, a pony. She's very shy. <laughs> she, like, her hair is designed to be over her eyes to kind of let her, like, her herself hide in her hair. And then she gets really excited when she's talking about critters and stuff. So that's, like, an example. Like, Lauren Faust has said um, via Tara Strong podcast, like, to her that she's probably autistic in some way. So, like, you know, it's just... It, it's kind of the nature of the beast at this point, hmm. I guess. I don't know if you knew that, um, Ryan, but there yeah, you go. I didn't know um, that, but yeah, that yeah, doesn't surprise me. I mean, she's like what she does. Like autism lends itself well to being good at those things. So you know, mm -hmm. she's like a very good character designer. Like she really knows how to embody a character with personality, just very clearly, right on the surface. You can tell what a character's right, right. vibe is just by looking at it. Right, and that kind of helped people because with live action stuff, that's kind of harder to tell from my understanding of this because it's just an actor and you kind of have to watch the plot to really understand the, like you have more control of the, like the color palettes and the space via animation and you can use like colors to emphasize tone or structure or like appeasability essentially so there's just a lot of more visual control with animation from my understanding like i'm an animator what i'm talking about there's a lot of more visual control and color palette choice as well as character design choices that kind of lend lend themselves to that mm -hmm. so i don't know where we were going with this but that's just kind of like a fun uh fact i i suppose but yeah like that's kind of why historically it got into those spheres because you know this like in 2011 12 like people were insecure like nerd stuff wasn't as it was it was kind of well known but it wasn't like cool to be a nerd there weren't content creators there weren't a lot of content creators that you know said it was cool to be a nerd especially the pony stuff so people would have to watch pony content creators to feel comfortable about watching the pony stuff mm -hmm. just generally from my understanding and, so. and even within like nerd subcultures bronies were sort of like looked down upon uh mm -hmm. by like certain more i guess more toxic masculine spaces yeah like it, they call them they still call them diet furries which is a little bit dismissive if you think about it but you know like let them like let them like what they like yeah. you know like furries are allowed to like what they like so it doesn't matter it is so weird like like you would think furries and brownies would have like so much in common but they are they are very different, like from mm -hmm. like brony conventions and furry conventions. I've been to plenty of brony conventions. I I just kind of like, I was in town when there was a I don't know the big brony convention that's in Ohio. I think. Oh, uh, Trotcon. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was that one. And uh, I had a friend who was DJing there, Rob Gasser, big brony DJ, or not, uh, mm. big uh, furry DJ. So I went to the furry convention there to go to the rave and like it was a completely different vibe from the brony conventions. Everyone was like very, it seems like the furries like in general are a little bit more well-adjusted actually, like, le right. like less autistic from, from my interaction with them. Right. Independently wealthy, they all have like, like really good jobs. Like I, I'm like, like, I guess that explains it because furry costumes are like those furry suits are not cheap. So yeah, they're like too two two three k but yeah i think too at the end of the day like furries have all just been around longer mm. and the basic definition when i try to when people ask me because people ask me because i'm at cons and stuff is that furries are just amalgamation of like people who like like uh, animal characters whether they be anthropomorphic that would be a like a zootopia themed character like a character that stands up like secret of nim character or bluey's anthropomorphic or um 
what they call feral, I guess. Is, I just learned this term where it's more like Lion King, where they have human intelligence, but they still walk around on four legs. Mm-hmm. And um, at the end of the day, those movies have been around a lot longer. Like, you know, Lion King, Secret of Nim is like in the 80s, you know, mm-hmm. like versus the Bronies, which Bronies are specifically about My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, and then some other, and then G5 when it's relevant, and then the other generations when it's relevant. Yeah. So it's just, it's very, it's much, much more. Yeah, it's more specific. So. It's more niche, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess it's my turn to segue back to what we were talking about. I think. I mean, you're the guest. Yeah. You might as well eventually. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I did like this segue, uh, this uh, this tangent, uh, it, like talking about the. Well, yeah, that's like at the end of the day, this is like the podcast in general is about education, especially for, you know, and letting people know their options. So we've done plenty about like how to make, make it in the industry kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So like fandom um, and his- and fandom history stuff, I think is fascinating, especially for people that like found my content or just found the podcast via some other thing. And they're just like, what's a brony? Yeah. I don't know. Or even, or a lot even, of brony <laughs> videos, you know? Yeah, or even like the younger bronies who like got in more around season three. Like they, they have mm-hmm. no idea what the fandom was like in that first season. It was it was a different animal. It was still trying to figure itself out. Right. It was weirder. Uh, and I really liked it at the time. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, going back to Rainbow Dash Presents, Rainbow Factory was like a huge huge episode for us like that that got spread everywhere it was like the first episode to get like a million views i think it was a it was a big deal for us so at that point we started to like okay well we got to start putting more effort into this so by this point the series had already like had already started to um, evolve away from being the kind of picture book thing that like the picture book conceit that it originally was to being a like partially animated show where it's like I'm doing fleshed out storyboards basically for an animation, mm-hmm. uh, like a mock-up animation, but it's the final thing. Yeah. And, with, and then occasionally I would even do some like actual, like more fleshed out frame by frame animation or like loops of stuff. And I was just sort of like, this was, this was me just like exploring the digital art genre because like I, I had no experience in it before Rainbow Dash Presents. So like the art in those first episodes is terrible <laughs> compared to... Uh, to where my art style would eventually develop to. But, you know, you have to start at the bottom and, and uh, eventually figure things out along the way. You get to you get to have your your early art like get a million views yeah. and then being like oh god yeah. so so many people saw yeah. that usually uh, as an artist your early art is just like art class kind of yeah. like stuff. Yeah, but luckily for me, I had opportunities to to one up myself and make better art in later videos that got more views. So I'm <laughs> thankfully people have seen my good art. So I'm happy for that. I think the the best art I ever did for Rainbow Dash Presents episode is uh, Bittersweet, which was originally the last episode, but we did an, another last episode after that, just like the Kim Possible thing. But uh, segue it all back. Wait, we're going back to Kim Possible. That's what this this was. This whole podcast is about. So yeah, after after Rainbow Factory, uh, Rainbow Dash presents Rainbow Factory came out. We I, I was pushing for uh, My Little Dashy because that that's another big one, and I was excited to explore that idea or explore that okay, one. Okay, what is the plot? I'm gonna make you tell us oh, what is the plot of My Little Dashy. Okay, so <laughs> in two paragraphs or less. Okay, My Little Dashy is about a the story of a stand-in <laughs> for the average brony, a, a, like a neat who. Just has like a very like, I guess he's not a neat because he lives on his own. So he's just he's just a, a what is a neat? Uh, like a 
like an anime uh like they stay, they stay at home with their parents. Oh, okay. Like a, like a, like a, like keeps to himself. Yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. Person. It's it's like a, it's a story of a shut in guy who's like really shy and doesn't have uh, many friends. He finds a little baby cartoon Rainbow Dash in a box in an alleyway, and uh, he adopts Rainbow Dash and raises her like a child, and and that's that's it's like a it's a super sappy. A very, very tugging at your heartstrings piece of fan fiction. And then the at the end of it, I think he, he has to send Rainbow Dash back home. And it's really sad. And oh, it's so sad. Oh, spoiler warning. Yeah, for, for a piece of fan art or a, a, fan, a fan fiction from 10 years ago. Uh, yeah. What's funny about this one is after we did our Rainbow Dash Presents My Little Dashy, which is a fairly straightforward adaptation of it except it has batman and harry potter and other stupid <laughs> in it the original author of the fan fiction rob kakerin like contacted us he said dude i love i love this parody he would talk to me how like he he personally hates my little dashy like his own fan fiction oh because it gets parodied all the time right well, it just, like... it's just because so he told me that he wrote the whole thing in like a caffeine like sleep sleep deprived binge in like right. two days and he posted it and like after he kind of came to his senses he actually deleted it because he's like this this sucks <laughs> why did i make this but people were already like latching onto it and uh like they were such they already like no no you gotta put it back you gotta put it back up we need we need this and he's like we need dashy. we need my little dashy so rob put it back up and very hesitantly he's like and it's it's the piece of art that he is most known for, and uh, apparently the least proud of. <laughs> he went on to write like much better stuff uh, before and after, apparently. But he is stuck being known for my little dashy. So he was very appreciative to uh, see. You gotta us. start somewhere, yep. I guess. Yep. <laughs> he he very much appreciated us taking the <laughs> out of uh, my little dashy and all that because uh, th- that episode was a lot of fun. That was the that was the first one that I edited. I think, yes, that's the first one that I edited on my own. So before, what we were doing was I was sending images as I drew them to Greg, and he was editing it on his side. So this was the first time that I'm like, I'm just going to edit it on my side. That'll make it a lot easier so I don't have to like explain the pacing of things. I can just do it. It allowed me to do a lot of a lot more interesting animation stuff. I, I I did a lot more like frame by frame animation, and I got to like play around with the pacing of it. This is the first time I started like adding extra like comedic pauses or adjusting the comedic timing of things that I think needed a little bit of tweaking. And I think this is where like like Greg and I started to like our skill sets started to complement each other a little bit more. Now that we're like kind of playing off of each other, we kind of understand how this series is working. So I think My Little Dashy was the first time that we had like like a, like a more of a modern pacing for one of these mm. episodes. Uh, and that, that episode was big. Uh, people loved it. Because again, it was, it was already like a popular fan fiction. So, and coming right off of uh, Rainbow Factory, people were like, when are you going to do it? Like people were like expecting like, well, this is the next one, right? And we're like, yeah, that's the next one. So the the next one that we did was Bittersweet, which is still my favorite episode of Rainbow Dash Presents. And Bittersweet is not a fan fiction that many people know about. It's It wasn't like a big famous one. The conceit of that fan fiction was that what if Pinkie Pie was suicidal and wanted to die 
and she, she yeah we be- definitely need a sp- we definitely need like an adult only um content warning on this episode yes you know? yes sorry spoiler warning um well you already cursed so it's fine so we're already <laughs> oh, past that yeah I, we've, we've crossed the threshold a long time ago uh, <laughs> great yeah the the one episode i'm on is going to start with the uh content warning the trigger warning there i mean uh it's it's don't feel too bad it's up to the guests oh i don't feel bad i don't feel not, bad at all so yeah <laughs> i would do it <laughs> I would accidentally do it even if I was told not to. We have to do the whole podcast again, but you can't curse. You only curse, I think, twice. You gotta just start from scratch, man. You you are free to bleep me. Uh, I'm fine. It'll only make me cooler. Um, <laughs> uh, no, well, we got we'll bleep you like SpongeBob, and we'll put the little like oh uh, yeah the the uh, the uh, the, the dolphin noises yeah the dolphin noises yeah. yeah. So anyway, um, bittersweet is what if. Uh, Pinkie Pie was suicidal and wanted because she got she got diagnosed with diabetes and uh, she's gonna kill herself by eating herself like eating herself to death with sugar uh, to put herself into a diabetic diabetic coma and that is that's the plot of the fan fiction <laughs> and then the rest of the fan fiction is like all of the characters just crying and being sad about Pinkie Pie being dead uh, for like the rest of the it's most of the fan fiction is just them moping around. Uh, for several chapters, people. Why do Why do people want to actively be sad? Like I this? I do not understand. I don't know why, but this is the kind of content that people were writing uh, at the time. It's just a practice of writing tragedy, I guess. So bittersweet. It like Pinkie Pie still dies, but she's more like like the version of Pinkie Pie in Mentally Advanced series in Rainbow Dash Presents is sort of like a crazy like like a chaos like a chaotic character where she's like like i'm going to like overthrow the government and like this is all for like you know uh revenge and like i'm gonna get one up over on them but she's also like really stupid so she's doing self-destructive things to get revenge on other people so the the start of the episode she's going to she was going to try and commit suicide with by diabetes to stick it to the health diabetes to to diabetes the healthcare system i think something like that and like dash is like no don't don't do that please and she's like no you must do it it's it's important it's vital for this uh so the ultimate parody in in our version rainbow dash presents bittersweet is that the mentally advanced characters don't like pinkie pie because she's an annoying crazy revenge person uh Mm -hmm. they they don't like her they don't want her around but she still just kind of like shows up in this you know alternate version of the character so in in the bittersweet version, the only character that's actually sad is Rainbow Dash, and all the other characters are like, yeah, no, we don't. This, I don't care. <laughs> 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 and and uh, it uh, this episode works so well for me. Uh, I love the the pacing and the jokes in this episode. I also have a cameo, my first voice kit. Ca- no, I had a voice cameo in My Little Dashy as the neighbor girl. So I was I was Dinky Doo. Which is Derpy's daughter? Yeah, fan daughter. I was fan, just kidding. Again, I, <laughs> we gotta keep on clarifying. Yeah, this is not canon. We're like three not levels canon. of subtext at this point. Right, right. You know? So many levels of meta and subtext. Yeah. No, Dinky Doo is not Derpy's canon uh, daughter because again, this uh, probably didn't mention. Derpy, I didn't. I didn't. Derpy mention, as a concept wasn't canon yeah, at this point. Yes. Yeah. But Derpy then became canonized later, which is you know a whole separate thing. Yeah. Dinky Doo just has like a vaguely similar color scheme so like the fans are like oh that's her daughter that's her daughter for sure 
uh, because she's vaguely similar looking. But anyway, I played Dinky Doo in that episode. Yeah, and then just for people playing at home, um, the daughter was never canonized. No, no, the daughter was never canonized. That's still just a fandom, fan, fandom head canon. Right. This episode does uh, a lot of like setups and then ultimate payoff at the end, where Pinky comes back as a ghost to like, aha, I got you. <laughs> And they're like, I got you the diabetes. Yeah. And it's like, it, it kind of sucks the, um, like any of the sadness that was there to be like, like, no, this is, she was doing this as a, as like, like, it's just, I think tragedy is a really good, uh, subject matter for comedy. Uh, it's more, bittersweet was more interesting as a, as a comedy or parody of itself than it is. It's just trying to be like sad for no reason. And uh, yeah, I still I still think Bittersweet's my favorite one. Mm-hmm. So yeah, for a long time, Bittersweet was the last one because I had started doing work for Monster Cat. Um, through, through my brony art, I, I developed my skills enough that uh, I, I was able to submit some of my art to a uh, uh, EDM music label called Monster Cat that was in need of some like digital art. And they liked my stuff and I became uh, like a regular uh, artist for their album covers and stuff like that. That's neat. Uh, so I, I was starting to like, I was getting actual paid by real people. Real, a whole for, real uh, life person. <laughs> yes, real. I was making actual, like, I can sustain myself off of this money from, you know, the YouTube revenue and from uh, commissions from uh, Monster Cat and uh, like real, real musicians and stuff like that. So uh, that was like a really exciting thing. I was like, okay, I think I'm ready to put Rainbow Dash Presents behind me and, you know, focus on, more, more big league stuff. And uh, for a long time, that was the case. But eventually, I think about a year, uh, two years after Bittersweet, we decided that we are interested in making one last episode, uh, which was Rainbow Dash Presents The Star in Yellow. I don't remember what the plot of the original Star in Yellow fan fiction is. It was, it was like a reference to H.P. Lovecraft, and it's about like Celestia's backstory or something like that. <laughs> it's not too important. The episode was not done entirely by me. This was the first episode that we tried to like, uh, we were looking mm-hmm. for other artists that uh, I could work with and kind of guide through the process to kind of pass the torch. And this was a really interesting project for me, not because I think it's the best thing I've ever done, but it is like the first time I've had to like lead a creative team and kind of like guide the, like have to cooperate with all these, collaborate with all these different people doing different parts of the project. So like you have the background painters, you have, uh, people animating this scene or this scene or this scene or, uh, and I'm kind of like giving them pointers and I, I was basically acting as the director of the project which was uh, a first for me and uh, a really exciting thing for me because it means that I didn't have to dedicate all of my time to drawing everything but could uh, kind of like share the load a bit. I did still do the the opening of that episode, everything up to where Twilight is sitting under the tree, and the very ending of the episode where Twilight is in the burning barn and mm-hmm. after that. So I still did some animation for that, but everything else is done by a talented team of people we were able to find, some uh, people that uh, Greg right, still right. works yeah, with. I do, I do something uh, similar day, where we uh, kind of divide and conquer that way. So, and And that's how you do real animated yeah. projects anyway. Like, you can't... It's, it's completely infeasible for one person to do all of the animation. Like, people still do it. It takes forever. <laughs> but usually it's uh, for... <laughs> you, don't, you don't get a quick yeah. turnaround on stuff. 
And also, uh, you don't have any. You, if you don't have enough eyes on a project, uh, you could be spending your entire life on a passion project right. that sucks. And that that's the worst yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, for those who want more context for that, so sometimes, um, like me personally, I've kind of done I've done a lot of work to understand the writing aspects of animation and not just the visual aspects of animation. But sometimes people's wheelhouse mm-hmm. or one is one thing or the other thing. And so an artist might have an idea for this thing that they want to do, but at the end of the day, because they don't understand storytelling from like an art form kind of perspective, they spend a lot of time basically making a story that doesn't really, that isn't the strongest, just as a general yes. idea. This happens all the time, I'm not trying to name anyone specifically. And so they'll, the, the thing will finally get revealed and then people are like, this sucks. And then all that time and energy is just like, oh, Oops. It's like I've dedicated I've dedicated the last fifteen years to this project for for uh, Romeo sealed. Oh with god, a kiss. or even like uh, <laughs> what is that? There's that, that new like AI in general is just like horrible about this. So there's that there's some oh, guy on, on Twitter or X or whatever that the f- it's being called, whatever. Uh who's we are allowed to dead name Twitter. That's okay. Yeah. Um so that is doing like a trying to do a fantasy story with all AI components i saw that and he doesn't understand that people are just dumping on him because it's just all bad but you know he just he just doesn't get it and hopefully he will someday and that's why ai is good for like maybe creative common stuff at best but at the end of the day the art should belong to the humans because that's what art is art and humanity are co-linked forever you know at least he's not he's very clearly not putting much effort into it so yeah there's that i think he's more of just a grifter than uh, so, someone who is actually doing a passion project here. Yeah, you can Google like Princess AI if you want to understand what we're talking about on the Twitter. And um, you yeah, know. you you have to see it to like if people are saying or he the the guy's saying like yeah this is the future of animation and you're like okay it's going to be sure something can. like it's surely it's going to be something like a little competent no it's a JPEG that wobbles around and yeah. the mouth opens <laughs> that's it's. Yeah. It's truly awful, but yeah. but what's more awful is being very talented and putting so much like love and and sweat and time into a project, only for it to be god awful mm-hmm. <laughs> because you didn't collaborate, you didn't get enough other voices or other eyes on a project to just kind of keep you in check. Because I, I I do believe that everyone benefits from collaboration, you yeah. know. Not everyone, there's there's not a single person who is good at every single aspect of the storytelling, like creative process for, for animation or, or even video or, or movies or something like that. Right, right. And and to your point, like I always tell like the kids that show up who are like, how do I make it in the an- animation industry? Like the reality is if you want to be like a creative part of that, like a like an artist, then you need to learn how to draw like how to draw humans to get practice in it and like real life mm-hmm. humans and not just ponies or not just your your hyperfixation mm-hmm. um and as well as learn how to be be part of a collaborative effort because people don't want to work with other people who aren't going to take notes maturely and professionally they're just not gonna it's not worth it you know yeah so like like make some friends and yes. you know make some fan projects with your friends because you know you'll need that to go from one step to the next essentially is the the general advice so learn learn to collaborate learn how to work with others uh that's that is an absolutely essential skill for if yeah. you want to make money in animation is you have to be able to be part of a team because it takes a team to do animation 
Um, so, like, uh, what was next in the history of Rainbow Dash Presents? So, um, uh, Star in Yellow was our last episode. Uh, people people enjoyed it, but I think people still liked Bittersweet the most, and I also agree. I think Bittersweet was our magnum opus. Uh, it was our Kim Possible, so the drama. Uh, we could have stopped there. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was still fun to do. Um, but at this point, like, I, I, was, I was kind of... I was mostly kind of not involved with the fandom, at least not personally. Like I, I would go to conventions and sell my prints and uh, and hang out with bronies and you know talk about my work and listen to them and talk about the show. Uh, but I, I didn't really care too much about the the fandom and the show at this point. What so, year was this? Just for the record. Oh man, what year was it? Uh, was it twenty fifteen? or 2016 i think it was 2016 that star and yellow came out i think Mm -hmm. and i was starting to like again i was i was ready to kind of like move on the the time in the brony fandom i i enjoyed it it was very important for my personal development as a person and Mm -hmm. uh as as a creative but uh i was like yeah i think i think this is no longer for me i think this is you know i'm glad that people still like it but it's it's not for me anymore and that then that's fine so there were a couple years where i was like i would occasionally do a brony commission of like here draw my oc and i was like yeah sure because that's like really it's easy to do the characters are fun uh i don't dislike it it's it's fun to do it's just not something i like had like a ton of passion for anymore mm-hmm. but uh it's been a long time at this point what is that seven years uh i was kind of like thinking and like kind of being nostalgic for my my time in the in the brony fandom and brony animation like that was you know i i am actually still proud of what i made that was still that's still good stuff or at least you know some of it was uh a lot of the early stuff i'm like yeah that that i could easily redo that a lot better and there were even times where i've like toyed around with the concept of like what if i like were to reanimate that cupcakes episode and do it Mm -hmm. like with the modern style that would be fun but also it's a lot of work and uh i'm already doing a lot of animation or like illustration stuff as my job it just be like do i want to do more of my job as a uh in my in my free time no not really (laughs) but um the last couple years i've been working with a a design firm uh here in spokane and uh, i've been doing a little bit less of uh the like hand-drawn illustration stuff and more like video editing stuff like that so it's not i'm not quite as tired of doing illustration work anymore uh, I still do a lot of uh, animation stuff. So um, uh, a lot of times for the local fire department, we'll have our firm do animated, um, like fully animated ads about fire safety and stuff like that. I've done animation for a couple different uh, uh, animated um, uh, PSAs and stuff like that. And those are always fun to do, but they're not like, you know, they're not like a passion project or anything. Uh-huh. Every year, like Greg um, on Don Somewhere, the YouTube channel is still, he's still making content. He's still doing his thing. He's d- he did like Let's Plays for a while. He was doing animation, animated content with some of those talented animators that uh, we trained up during Star and Yellow. So he, he, he was still like making some content and still putting himself out there just, you know, without my, my involvement. But he hosts an event every year on his uh, Discord channel, which is, you know, still booming, apparently, uh, which is, you know, exciting to hear, called, uh, he does a bid somewhere competition where basically he has uh, the members of the Discord make a animated, or not an animated, just any sort of video content 
within like a month's time and then it's then then the fans vote on the best one and it's just like a kind of like a fun event um but for this year he's like it'd be really funny if like we just dropped some actual like rainbow dash presents like new rainbow dash presents content randomly in this in this thing and then just like say it's disqualified for some stupid reason and it can't it can't win and i was like you know what I'm kind of so on board. Troll his audience. Yeah, exactly. We're just we're just trolling the audience, and I can get behind that. I can totally get behind trolling the audience. And also, I was like, yeah, I mean, uh, I could do that, but I did not have the time to do a fully animated thing. So my idea was like, okay, what if I just do a uh, sort of like an RPG thing, like a like an RPG dating simulator, where like the characters sort of just slide in, and there's text on screen, but it's still like fully voice acted, and it's enough to get Greg's humor across. So just two weeks ago, we released a a video called Where Are We? Which is sort of like a, where are the characters now? Seven years after the last time we saw them in in Rainbow Dash Presents Bittersweet. And uh, so we have uh, a little bit of commentary on the show after we, you know, stopped making our content. Twilight has stopped becoming, stopped being an alcoholic. She's pulled her life together a little bit now that she has a daughter. Uh, Rarity is like the... uh, the aunt that brings the good gifts. Uh, Rainbow Dash is still an adrenaline junkie, but her age is starting to catch up to her, and she's like clearly like dinged up and has some bruises and scars from numerous accidents that she's probably occurred in the last seven years. Yeah. AJ, you know, she's she's aging gracefully. She's she's we did uh, er, er, Greg included uh, included some commentary about uh, uh, Rainbow Dash and uh, AJ being. Are, was it was it true that they were canonized as a couple in the? It was the, it was the same thing with Fluttershy and Discord, where it was heavily implied. But it was up to interpretation. I'd mm. I'd make a stronger case that Rainbow Dash and Applejack were, but the thing is, um, like I imagine there wasn't really any lead up to that besides them liking the same things in the show. Mm. So I think they should have just like did that a little better if that was the case. So I guess yeah. you could make it, it like it seems a like it might have just been like a yeah it might have just been like fan service. But you know I it, I think the implication was that it was canonized and, yeah 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 uh, so it wasn't you know canonized objectively but for the yeah. most part it was and then it, like they, they the, put it they put enough meat in there for you to build a solid head cannon right right and i think the same thing um for fluttershy and discord i think honestly like me being as vocal as i has have been or have been in the brony fandom and against that ship on a romantic level uh, not you know you can ship what you want but like at the end of the day like i see Discord and Fluttershy is like a very platonic, like pure thing that I don't want any, I don't want any, I don't want them to get f***ed up by f***ing up essentially. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, that's now why they left swearing. that. Now you're swearing. You gotta get I mean, it. you started it. So, yeah, I started uh, it. Yeah, I, I curse naturally. It's just a matter of like, <laughs> I, I want to make sure people are comfortable with that. But yeah. Um, yeah, so, and that was like, so I, I know when um, the, the, the episode where Angel Buddy like said, just, oh, you know, Angel says Fluttershy wants to marry Discord, and like I made an argument that like that could be you know Angel just <laughs> on Fluttershy for being jealous of Discord spending time with Fluttershy kind of thing. Mm. So like Angel's an <laughs> so to like don't take his word. Anyway, besides that's besides the point. So yes. um yeah so uh, yeah. So anyway say, yeah yeah that that's yeah. that that was supposedly canonized. Uh, so there was uh some jokes about how the the joke in in where are we is that AJ is either actually a lesbian or the whole thing's just a misunderstanding because rainbow dash 
misrepresented an event where AJ had to give her CPR to the mm-hmm. press. And she's like, AJ kissed on me and it changed my life. Yeah, we were. I was talking about that with a friend the other night and just like the irony of a Rainbow Dash allowed to like being Rainbow Dash, but then there's some kind of gay implication. And then like, it turns out at the very end that there actually might be some gay implications now. And I'm just like, pick a lane guys. So <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we, we do a little bit of a fun interplay with that and Rarity and AJ have a rivalry in the mentally advanced series. So of course they have, they have some fun banter and then uh, Pinkie Pie comes back as a uh, fully realized vampire as a way of getting around uh, Twilight's restraining order. You know, fun, goofy <laughs> like that. And then, uh, yeah. and then the running joke about Fluttershy, uh, which, you know, I love Fluttershy. She's wonderful. Um, but in the Mentally Advanced series, the joke is that um, no one likes Fluttershy and she's always ignored. So Fluttershy just sort of shows up at the very end for three seconds and Twilight tells her to go away, basically. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it, was, it was fun to see these characters again and hear Greg doing the voices again. And uh, Greg and I were talking like, yeah, that was fun enough to do. It didn't take me uh, an outrageous amount of time to make the video. So we could maybe foreseeably do something like this every once in a while. Just yeah. To, just to kind of drip feed some content. I mean, that's that's why I reached out because I saw that. I'm like, oh, I didn't even know they were still like doing things. Good for yeah. them. You know, but mm-hmm. that seems to kind of be like the the fandom right now in general is like I'll also drip some pony content every once in a while I guess this would count as pony content in like a broad sense um you know just to appease the people that came for that but at the end of the day like I just don't it's just not in my mental wheel and emotional wheelhouse to um produce only pony content for people that want new content when the majority of my library is pony content like you guys yes. can just you guys can go just watch some old videos and, right. and be happy that you know i'm still active at all you know yeah be be happy with that you know not <laughs> that it, we did something once you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> so i'm sure you get that all the time too yeah i i haven't been too uh engaged on uh like brony circles so i've i've been able to most of that discussion is just in the YouTube comments, and I don't read those anymore. But <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair. So yeah, I guess that's the end of your your whole journey, right? Yeah, that's that's it. That's up to current day, up to two cool. weeks ago. Cool. What do you have for <laughs> breakfast? Just so the fans know. I had a uh, breakfast burrito from Trader Joe's. I went over to nice. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um. So where can people find your personal content if they want to find like your standalone art stuff? or your, your, your Twitter and all that stuff. Like, like uh, drop some links. Yeah, all of my handles are still Petirep. Uh, that's P-E-T-I-R-E-P. Uh, I started posting things on Tumblr again because Twitter's dying. Uh, I, I went from one dying platform to a dead platform, I guess. Uh, but maybe we can resurrect uh, Tumblr. It was fun once. Um, it was fun once, that one time. Yeah, yeah. But I still mostly just post on Jitter with an X and on uh, Tumblr at this point for for brony content or for uh, my illustration content. Uh, And I guess Instagram. I I post stuff on Instagram, uh, which includes some of my work I've done for the fire department recently, like my animated work. And uh, oh, also, I guess I skipped over um, my the my most favorite project I've ever done because it's not related to. To brony stuff for Monster Cat, but I did a. Oh no, it doesn't count if it's not a brony content. Ah, ah shoot. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I won't. Yeah, my the most 
my favorite project I've ever done is a fully like a like a four minute music video, animated music video, fully animated, uh, for a song my cousin did called uh, Cumberland. Uh, if you Google or if you go on YouTube and search up uh, Cumberland uh, Ben Limpic, you can watch the uh, animated music video I made. It's uh, it's definitely the project that I am most proud of because I. I I pitched the concept of it. I kind of direct, there's some live action elements to it. So I had to kind of like remotely direct uh, the live action elements. I had to come up with like a color scheme and plot it all out. Uh, it was a really fun process to do. So definitely uh, if you want to check out my favorite work that I've ever done that I'm mo the most proud of, check out uh, Cumberland by Ben Limpick. All right, and then as far as um, me, so uh, content's been a little bit, like we're still actively making stuff, don't worry people that are listening to this like relatively recently of its release. So um, don't worry, we're still making content. We're just behind for reasons I don't really want to go into, but essentially we're behind because sometimes there's uh, people that don't pull their, their weight, um, which happens, you know, especially with non-paying work. But regardless, um, you know, so main content will be back, like, hopefully the next month-ish, um, you know, and then um, the fan server right now is really popping, so if you're not in the fan server, the Discord fan server, there will be a link in the description, but in case I forget, it's on my link tree on the About page of my um, YouTube, and uh, we now have an event going on every night, included in multiple events going on the week weekends so free movies free games make some friends like i'm trying to get people to make friends and have fun in there like i worked i we've all worked very hard on the fan server recently so if it's been a hot minute that you've been active then you know like again games every night essentially and we're working right now to do some eu uh games uh european friendly time zone games so just because we were missing people that are into that or in that vibe so uh for now if you're not if you're not on, I, I'm still active on Twitter. That's probably my best place to get me. But if you want some activity, I'm pretty active in the fan server. So um, come in. I'll trick you to, to make friends with other people that aren't me. Winky, winky, wink face. <laughs> but yeah, as far as the podcast, um, hopefully we'll get back on track too. Like ideally, I always want to make sure we have content at least once a week on the podcast. So, um, you know, at least for now, I'm going to try to do that. But I'm not, you know, podcast is just as we can do it. So it's not stopping, but... It's been a hot minute, so I'm going to continue. Thanks, thanks, Ryan, for coming on and helping make, farm out some content, you know? Of course. It was, it was, it was yeah. a pleasant conversation. Uh, I'm totally down to do it again. Okay, sounds cool. Maybe, um, not, to, not to put you on the rope, but maybe you can rope Greg into this, too, because I've never talked to him directly, so that might be, like, interesting and trippy, so... <laughs> you, don't have to, you don't have to comment. I'm just trying to give you a hard time. But anyway, uh... Oh. <laughs> That's me just being a little but anyway, uh, yep. thanks for listening to the podcast. If you're new, like I said at the beginning, there's a huge backlog of conventions, how to do conventions, how to do industry stuff, how to do fan content, how to make internet um, animations, everything for now. We've had some good guests before from the actual industry, so it's not just like me talking to you for two hours. And yeah, thank you again for tuning in and we'll see you next time if not um have fun in the backlog um have fun bye everyone make sure to make sure to like and subscribe and oh yeah yeah uh, yeah like <laughs> like i totally forgot about that we're losing subscribers so make sure you're still subscribed to the main channel and notifications are on appreciate that uh i'm trying to think of what else besides the fan server right now but um 
you know, if you like the podcast, it's on all of the platforms, including YouTube. Um, we're probably going to do a, a purge where we not take things down, but we, you know, clean stuff up and just make sure everything's up to date. So, you know, if you don't want to deal with Spotify or Apple's iTunes or whatever, then YouTube, you know, subscribe to the podcast on YouTube. I got an email the other day that they like we have the AdSense account on the YouTube just so to help with monetization. And I like and I made like four dollars like last year. All and right. I got an email recently that they're like, we're going to disable your AdSense account because you're not making enough money for, for us to maintain it from Google. Boo. And I'm like, oh, OK, cool, cool. <laughs> so <laughs> you're just doing it because you love it. I know that's that's how all, all artists should be because you know then it gets toxic as far as expectations yeah. versus reality. Yeah, so. artists shouldn't get paid. Uh, we should just do it because we love it. And uh, <laughs> no, no, that's not what I said. <laughs> and cancel. And cancel. No, you get paid if you. But like, if you want to have fun in the meantime, then feel free to have fun in the meantime. It doesn't. It doesn't hurt at all. So. All right. Um. Bye bye, everybody. Be- Goodbye. Oh, I thought we were done. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's fine. Okay, good night. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to Animation Communication on YouTube, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting provider. We are really hoping the show makes a difference in how people view animation, as well as media as a whole, as well as giving and providing advice for people all over the world who like and want to join the animation and media industry. If you like what you heard, please remember to show support by giving a like, a follow, rating those five stars, as well as subscribing to our main I Love Kim Possible A Lot channel on YouTube, and turn your notifications on. New episodes of Animation Communication come out every Wednesday at 6am EST on podcasting platforms, and 4pm EST on YouTube. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at the KP Podcast for information on upcoming guest episodes and more, as well as our hosts KP and Lyle Convoy at I Love KP a Lot and at Lyle Manbad on social media. I'm Lucy, and thank you for being a part of our community. See you next time on Animation Communication.